Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome to DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And uh, today I'm here with uh, film director Rick Mathis. Uh, Rick is the uh, director of the Black Friday series, and he's also the director of a new film we have coming out this summer called B1 The Movie. Uh, this is a project that we have had in the making for a long time. A lot of you all have talked to us about, we've talked to you all about uh, problems with entertainment, problems with Hollywood, problems with the way black people are portrayed on in, on screen. So a lot of you said, do something about it, do something about it, do something about it. Well, we are doing something about it. Uh, we are making major moves, multi-million dollar moves in the film industry and the music industry. Uh, I, I will tell you guys more about what we're doing in the music industry. Uh, in terms of film, we have a great film coming out this summer called B1, the movie. And I want to welcome uh, Rick to the platform. How you doing today, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How you doing, Doc? Doing really well, man. Doing extremely well. And and uh, I see we got LaShawn uh, from uh, Missouri in here and uh, Kevin Liverman from Harlem. Uh, let us know what city you're from. Uh, Caleb, uh, I, I see you. Harleem, uh, Karen Dorsey, Yoshika. Yoshika's always here. I love Yoshika. She's awesome. Uh, uh, put your city in the chat. Let us know uh, that you're B1. B1 people from around the world. Moreno Valley, California. Jay Lilly. Uh, who else? Uh, St. Louis. Uh, Kirk Quigless. Dr. Kirk Quigless. Dr. Kirk Quigless is a dentist out of St. Louis. Uh, he has a storied history. He told us all about a, a hospital called Homer G. Phillips Hospital that was a Black-owned hospital in St. Louis. You won't believe the story, Rick. Everybody should look up Homer G. Phillips Hospital in St. Louis. They used to actually educate and train like tons of Black doctors. Uh, it was a hospital run by Black people, and eventually they shut it down. You know, integration, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. So, yeah, yeah, but that but that was a great Black-owned hospital. Uh, let's see, Jeff Thomas from Naples, Florida. Uh, Khalid Halim from uh, Buffalo. Uh, Lewis from Dallas. I see Columbia, South Carolina. Will from Huntington, West Virginia. All right, so let's get a crack and let's get started. All right, so uh, the question for today is, what's going on with the Black community? Like, what's what's wrong in terms of where we are? And let me, let me kind of frame this, and then I'm going to ask Rick kind of his thoughts on some of this. Uh, if you look at most studies, Rick, if you look at most studies, you will find that uh, when it comes to education, uh, and I want everybody to give me a yes or no if you agree with this statement. Give me a yes or no if you agree that since integration, since before integration, black people are uh, worse educated now than they are than they were before integration, uh, that uh, black people are worse off economically now than they, we were before integration in terms of wealth and ownership of property, that we're worse off now in terms of ownership of business. Give me a yes if you agree with that that our families are worse off now than they were before integration. Give me a yes if you agree with that statement. And uh, and and then you can keep going down the list. You can talk about health issues. You can talk about violence. Give me a yes if you agree that black neighborhoods are more violent than they were before integration. Uh, and I think that it's up to us to really be aggressive in solving this problem and figuring out what's going on. So, Rick, uh, what do you think about what I just said? And uh, what, what's kind of your thought about around some of this? Man, when it comes to integration, you know, that's... <laughs> That's a, it's kind of like a two-edged sword. You know, uh, I talked about this in, in my previous film, Black Friday. You know, what was the impact on integration? Dr. King says after integration, he felt like he integrated us into a burning building. So I, and, and I, uh, I agree with that. I feel like integration was the worst thing that ever happened to black people because prior to integration, we had our own hospitals. We had our own schools. We had our own businesses. And after integration, we felt that the white man's ice was colder. Now we can go to shop with the white man. Now we can go stay in their hotels. 
You know what I'm saying? So I think integration was probably one of the worst things to ever happen to black people as a community. Hmm. Well, you know, um, integration is uh, something that I think it should be examined uh, because I think that uh, people assumed that when they opened the door and let us in, that that was a step up. Uh, how many of you grew up going to school? Give me a yes if, you, if this happened to you in school. How many of y'all went to school where in, in a way where you were told that integration was a really good thing, that that was progress? Give me a yes if you were raised to sort of believe that that was progress and not allowed to question. There was no alternative point of view. Uh, you were learning about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, but you never learned about Dr. Claude Anderson and Marcus Garvey. Uh, how many of y'all went through that in school? Uh, and and I, I bring that up because uh, a lot of us think that when we get invited in to something, that that is automatically a good thing. And uh, really, with integration, what you really saw, uh, I want you to process this, uh, white folks historically as a collective haven't really ever felt uh, that black people were kind of their equal. It doesn't mean all white people were evil or that they all want to kill us. I'm not saying none of that. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I don't have to be extreme with this. But, you know, even after slavery, the people in the North that we thought were our friends, actually didn't want us to be free. They didn't want us to be free because they said, we don't want those black people, those slaves coming up here and taking our jobs. So even people in New York City and Connecticut and Vermont and Maine and all these places that we thought they were welcoming us, they didn't want us to be free. So effectively integration, uh, you know, when you're being integrated by your enemy, when, when someone doesn't like you, invites you into their house, that right there should make you suspicious. You should already be suspicious that somebody who doesn't like you and say, hey, come on over for dinner. Come on by. Come on by the house. And what you'll understand is that uh, you got to realize that you were invited for dinner, but you didn't realize that you were the dinner. You know, you, you thought you were being invited to sit down and enjoy a meal, but you are the meal. And what I mean by that is that there are there's probably about a trillion dollars a year that people make off of black people. You know, there, there's about a trillion dollars worth of goods and commodities that are sold to black people that make other people rich. Uh, there's billions of dollars made in the public school systems where they manage black children and herd them through school in the school to prison pipeline. There's billions of dollars made from black people buying everything from fast food to uh, to new Rolexes to Cadillacs to whatever it is that we want to buy. Uh, there's billions of dollars made even in black media. BET uh, for a long time has been owned by people who are not black. Maybe that's going to change in the near future. But uh, ultimately, we don't we have to understand that when you're integrated, that's almost like um. That's almost like if you're running a business down the street and a guy who runs a bigger business says, well, just come and work for me. Just come work for me. You know, let, let's merge. Let, let's partner. Come on, buddy. Let's partner. You know, and the reason he wants to partner with you is not because he likes you because he's proven he doesn't like you. He wants to partner with you because you got something good that he wants. You got something good that he's going to try to take. So if you don't negotiate the terms of the partnership very carefully, you're going to get screwed. And I think that's what happened. I think black people thought we were being integrated uh, to be elevated, and we'll, really we're being integrated to be to be disintegrated, and to be uh, to further oppressed economically and otherwise to really be controlled. Uh, you know, because now I don't think that we have a lot of say over what happens in our community. What are your thoughts, Rick? Man, you know, um, in Black Friday, I heard a speech say this. He says, "Look at what we did with the turntable." the technique turntable, right? We revolutionized that. We started scratching on something, the technique turntable, right? And our kids don't benefit from actually having those turntables where you can scratch on those turntables. He said, if we had just copywritten that, 
and held on to that, then imagine, you know, how much wealth would have been passed down. So that's kind of how I see integration where we're coming up. We are the creators. We are the inventors. And we're coming up with all of these creative ideas. And we're just handing them over, handing them over to somebody else and saying, hey, now you take this and you go and you leave something for your kids' kids. So that's kind of how I see with integration where all of our Black-owned businesses were just handed over to other races. You know, there's a man named Peg Leg Bates. Peg Leg Bates was a dancer who danced, who literally had a peg leg. I remember Peg, my, my grandma loved Peg Leg Bates. He, and, and Peg Leg Bates said integration was the worst thing that ever happened to him because he had a club in upstate New York. And every weekend, black people would come in by the busloads to his club to see Peg Lake's, Peg Leg Bates dance and to, you know, have fun at his club. But when integration came, all of that disappeared. People stopped coming and they started going to the white man club. You know, they started going over here to this, to this restaurant. And it kept the dollars from circulating around the table in the black community. So integration was the worst thing, again, that ever happened to the black community in my in my eyes, right here in Atlanta, Sweet Auburn, we had a lot of Black-owned businesses, everything from Atlanta Life Insurance to the Royal Peacock, you know, to funeral homes. You know, all of these businesses are now deserted. None of those businesses really exist. Right now, Atlanta Life is uh, owned by Georgia State University. That building, wow. which we should have never let out of the Black community. You know what I'm saying? So when wow. you look at integration and how it just by, hey, by the way, by the way, uh, man, I'm, I pulled up some pictures of Peg Leg Bates uh -huh. so everybody yeah, can see, see Peg Leg Bates. Yeah. Just so y'all know, he, he, yeah, he, he danced, he had so one he leg like, and he was a great dancer. But go, go ahead, yeah, man, you, go ahead. If you're not familiar with Peg Leg Bates, you definitely should look him up, man. He was a businessman as well as an entertainer. Like he put the, the, the meaning in, when you say show business, it should have been called business show because he put the business before the show. Because if you don't put the business before the show, if you don't handle the business, there would definitely be no show. So mm -hmm. Peg Leg Bates definitely was a was a great businessman and you know entertainer. All right. Well, everybody, I'm speaking with uh, Mr. Rick Mathis. He's a film director and he is the director of the new film called B1 the Movie. And uh, Dr. George C. Frazier should be joining us. Uh, if he can't make it uh, by the 30 minute mark, I might have to bounce on out, man, because I got okay. another thing I got to do. But uh, but the movie is coming out this summer. There are a ton of stars in this film. These are mm -hmm. our movie stars. You know, they got Brad Pitt, you know, and and uh, and, and and Leonardo DiCaprio and, and their stars. Uh, we got our stars. You know, we got our stars. Akila Nihanda is a star. Ash Cash is a star. Uh, Bernard Hardy, Blue Pill. Uh, you know, Chike Okuwa, he, he's a uh, professor down at, um, at uh, Clark, Atlanta. Uh, Clark, Clark Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, I love that, brother. I'm just scrolling through the list here. Uh, Constance Carter runs the largest Black-owned real estate firm in California. At least she did for a while. D1, extraordinary rapper. Dr. George C. Frazier. Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, we listen. I'm scrolling through the list. Uh, I see Jade Arendelle, Jay Morrison, Jay Ortiz, the rapper, uh, Jeff Lighty Jr., the best uh, HBCU journalist out there. I'm uh, going through here. King Randall, who's building the school down in Georgia. I, I love to figure out how a 23 year old can build a school in a matter of months. Uh, we got Mama Pill, Mary Dean, the attorney at law. 
uh, let's see, I'm in the film, uh, this guy named Boyce Watkins, uh, Brother Nuri Muhammad, Riza Islam, Queen Afua, uh, Rick Mathis, he, he makes some appearances, <laughs> Madam President, speech from Arrested Development, Vicki Dillard. Like, this is literally a blackbuster right there, y'all. I mean, this is a blackbuster. Uh, mm -hmm. And when I say blackbuster, Rick, I, I really, I'm talking about a film that we make where we feature the people that we want to see, the people mm -hmm. that are the stars in our community. Uh, you know, because I don't know about you, man, but I don't really, you know, I, I think some of the, you know, half these black Hollywood star, stars, some of them are just weird. You know, they're yeah. into a lot of black people are not into. Like, I'll give you an example, man. One time I heard Richard Pryor. This will tell you how weird Hollywood is. Does anybody remember when Richard Pryor said something on stage where he said, I, I wanted to see what it was like to sleep with a man. So I slept with a man for three weeks and then I realized I didn't like it. Does anybody remember he said, saying that? I heard him say that. Right? Yeah, I heard him say that. I think most, he said the same thing about smoking crack or something too, but. Yeah, most black people don't really talk like that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I mean, sleeping with dudes, I'm not judging that at all. That's not to be judged, especially we talk about Atlanta or whatever. But you got all kinds of whatever. That's fine. I'm not judging that at all. But it's like either you are or you're not, you know, kind of saying like I tried it and I didn't and I didn't like it. You know, I, I think that Hollywood uh, and if you look at what's happened to some of the biggest stars, black stars in Hollywood, you look at how Dave Chappelle pretty much lost his mind and ran off to Africa. Uh, Whitney Houston, uh, the way she died, uh, you know, at an early age, DMX, what sort of that fame and celebrity kind of did to him. Uh, you can keep going going down the list. It's almost like uh, black folks need spaces where we can do our entertainment without taking on all the extra stuff that comes with it. Cause it seems like the entertainment industry out West, you know, introduces people to lifestyles that sometimes are not the healthiest or the safest for them. Uh, what do you think? Man? I mean, it's called Holly weird for a reason because there are some weird things that go on in Hollywood. So I definitely think that, um, you know, what they're doing there is really uh, detrimental to the black community. But on a more positive note, I think, you know, that's why it's more uh, imperative that we tell our stories and we produce films such as B1, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we can now give the celebrities that we like in our community, we can give them their flowers right now. You know, we yes. can highlight, you know, the people that you just said on the list. And when I tell you this film is amazing, like, man, they really did an amazing job, you know, in this film. Like, this film is like, uh, it's like the coming to America uh, for the conscious community. Because there's so many taglines or punchlines, as I would say, in this film that, you know, people are going to be quoting these this film and these taglines for years. Because they're like, you know, like, bam, like, uppercut like hit you you know hit you in the gut type of type of uh comments that are in the film so i mean this you know i'm i'm excited about it man i'm pumped about it and uh you know i just can't wait to share this film with you all with the with the b1 community you know because you guys deserve this this is this is your film well you know what uh, i'm gonna tell you i can't wait uh till everybody gets a chance to see it i have seen pieces of it and uh by the way everybody you're watching drboystv.com the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Uh, this is Rick Mathis. Rick is the director of our new film called B1 The Movie. Uh, it's in partnership uh, with his company. What's the name of your, your, your film company, uh, Rick? So we're doing this with West End Filmmakers. West End Filmmakers is a organization that I've created for creative filmmakers, kind of a hub for uh, filmmakers of color to really come together and commune to share ideas and really be, you know, under one umbrella. That's interesting. Okay, so this is something where 
uh, what filmmakers just kind of support each other in terms of yeah. resources, things like that? Share resources, because as a filmmaker, like I was just talking to a filmmaker earlier, as a filmmaker, it's very important that we, you know, share um, ideas, concepts, the latest AI tools, because that's one of the things that as a filmmaker, I get on online with other filmmakers and share because, you know, like the filmmaker I was just talking to earlier, uh, Jason Noor, he was one of the producers on uh, on the Maynard documentary, uh, Maynard Jackson, you know, that was the mayor here in Atlanta. But uh, shout out to Jason Noor. He said something that was real that I was like, wow, I ain't never thought about that. But he said that I would share information or critiques about my film or my rough draft of a film that I won't even share with my significant other. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So just think about that for a minute. Think about that for a wow. minute. So yeah, so that's that's wow. real. That's real powerful. I think uh, Dr. Frazier just joined us. He just texted me and said he's uh, waiting in the room. Oh, I I, I don't see him in here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So uh, let me see. I will send him the link and uh, make sure he has okay. the right Streamyard link. Yeah. Uh, I think I gave I think I gave him a good link. Tell him that yeah, I just he, he him may a, be a in the link. Google like I I was not. He may be in the Google Me. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. You Tell him too. Because I I am looking here on my yeah. phone and uh, the link I sent him is the correct link. Okay. I, oops. See, because I, I can literally literally bring myself in here twice. So okay. let me go ahead and remove myself. Uh oh, hold on hold on. Let me get this. All right, so uh, so let let's uh let's how about this? So so let let's uh do do this for me real quick, everybody. Uh, this podcast is on Spotify, and if you have Spotify, if you could take a moment and uh, look up the Doctor Boyce breakdown on Spotify, uh, you'll find me on Spotify. Uh, also, um, uh, don't forget the All Black National Convention is where we're going to show the actual feature film. Uh, we're going to do a red carpet event there, uh, and uh, so if you want to join us at the convention, just go to All Black nationalconvention.com all allblacknationalconvention.com uh and so uh so we we are talking today about issues that are going on in the black community we're waiting for Dr. George C. Frazier to join us uh once he comes in I'm going to let him do all the talking cuz I, I don't have a ton of time left but uh at the same time Dr. Frazier is such a badass that uh he does whatever he wants to do uh because he's one of the respected elders in the community and a guy that uh, I admire tremendously and uh, also, don't forget, I have a new book out. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It is available on Amazon. And uh, so if you want to go get a copy, go look, get a copy. Uh, feel free to look at the reviews. The reviews are very good. Everyone likes it. And in fact, what I'm going to do is uh, read kind of an excerpt from the book as Rick is uh, working with Dr. Frazier to bring him in. Uh, one of the things that we talk about in this book is that black people don't necessarily have to participate in the regular economy. Um, I talk about how you can actually form your own economy. And there are literally three C's that three, three words to start with the letter C that can allow you to create an economy within your group, within your family, within your neighborhood, within your investment club. And uh, these economies, if they're done properly, if everybody's properly trained, can allow you to create an economic ecosystem. Uh, one of the things you want to understand about economics, and this is one of the topics that we hit on in this film, is, uh, is that, you know, economics, is something that we should understand as well as we understand basketball, football, twerking, rapping, and everything else. Uh, there's a reason why they don't really teach you how the overall economic system works because they only want you to know your part. They only want you to play your position. Uh, the pimp will never teach the hoe how to be another pimp because he don't want no competition. 
and he doesn't want to lose resources. He wants her to feel that he she must be under his control at all times. So basically, the, the reality is that in the public school system, they're not going to teach you how to run a system. They're not going to teach you how to be the boss. They're not going to teach you how to be the leader. They're not going to teach you how to be the owner. You have to learn this on your own on the side. So I encourage everybody who has family that they love, teach them these skills. They're very basic skills, but they will make a big difference in terms of their ability to survive. So, uh, so I'm curious, you know, Rick, in terms of dividing the film and in, in sort of looking at the different topics, mm-hmm. um, I noticed that you sent me a list of the different uh, chapters of, of the film, and I'm going to try to pull this list up. Uh, how did you go about deciding, you know, which part of, uh, of, of the film, um, uh, which, which part of the film would cover, say, economics versus relationships or culture or music, et cetera? Like, what was your thought process behind how you chose to sort of split the film up? Yeah, so when you look at uh, each question in the film, the film is divided into five questions. And then under each question, there's like three points or three segments that we touch on. So basically it was divided based on the question. So uh, when you start with the film, what is it gonna take for black people to start putting black people first? That's one chapter, that's one episode, that's one part. Uh, another part, what, uh, what role does media play when, in the, when it comes to black people putting black people first? So mm-hmm. when you think about media, that's broken down into three parts. We touch on music, we touch on film, and we touch on social media. And that's the largest or the longest uh, episode, if you will, because I feel that that is our biggest nut or hardest nut to crack right now in the black community. You know, when we look at, you know, what's really perpetuating things in the black community, it's the music, it's what's shown on television, and it's the social media, the uh, the areas in which we congregate to then share this information, you know, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, you know, so that's kind of the, the, you know, I broke it down in the threes, in the three sections. So, you know, I had the opportunity to work with Les Brown and he said, people remember things in threes and fives. So mm. five questions, each question has three segments. And when you think about it outside of that, you know, it's hard to remember something over three or something over five. Mm, okay, nice. Well, uh, guess what? Uh, the guest of honor is here, and uh, Dr. George C. Frazier is in the building. My my brother, uh, one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest black men to ever walk the face of this planet. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna say it until until I ain't breathing no more. How you doing, Dr. Frazier? Uh, I am. I see your face and Rick's face. I'm doing wonderful now. But everything that could have possibly happened happened to me to get on this call because the other zoom i was on went over about 10 minutes mm-hmm. my my uh internet crashed and i was getting notices you know how you get notices unstable so the whole damn thing crashed so i have to reboot everything all up then i get on Streamyard, and um and it was really my stupid mistake because i'm i'm sitting there and it says under there well the host knows that you're there and uh He'll let you in at the appropriate time. So I'm sitting there. Okay, well, maybe he has another guest. Yada, yada, yada. So I'm sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And uh, and then I finally, you know, it's about 10 or 15 minutes. And then I text and called Rick. And Rick said, well, did you get on the And he sent me a new link. And I got on and it said the same thing. So then I looked over to my right. And it was, you know, the bar. 
and I had not scrolled all the way down where it says, enter the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and I hit that. And that's that's the only way you would know that I was there. I was sitting there. You wouldn't, there's no way you know I was even there. I had I had made an error. So I apologize. You know, I'm an on-time guy, right? Yes. And uh, so I really, really apologize because I so look forward to doing this with with both you and Rick. And I love Rick, and I, I love the I love the fact that you two partnership, right? So this is the classic formula, Doctor Boyce, where one plus one doesn't make two. One plus one here makes eleven. So this is powerful, man. Really, really powerful. I I watched your show with Rick. Uh, he was kind enough to send it to me, but actually, I'd, I I saw parts of it when it was going on, and then I I, I watched the um, the, the so let's call it his sizzle reel, and man, uh, you got a you got a massive hit on your hand, and you know when you're ready to, and I love what, I loved how you framed it. It's a blackbuster. Yes, <laughs> yes, sir. Blackbuster, right? Yes. So when you're ready to roll this thing out. It's all hands on deck, right? And uh, it's going to go viral. It's just incredible. What an incredible partnership. And um, thank you. Uh, you know, that's just the way we have to do it, man. Right. When are we going to learn when we are doing what you're doing? When we're doing what Rick is doing, when we're committed uh, to our own people. And not all beyond the commitment, we're acting on it, right? We're acting on it. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I say all the time that uh, our people will not change when they see the light. Uh, they will change when they feel the heat, right? Mm. That's number one. And number two, uh, we know that you will never change that which you tolerate. You will only change when you get angry, right? Mm. So it says to me what I'm seeing, that most of us are not angry enough. There are those of us who are angry. I'm pissed. You're pissed. Rick is pissed. We know there's, you know, we know who the ones, Dr. Claude Anderson is pissed. He has been longer than you and I put together, right? And 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 he's been saying what he has been saying uh, ever since I've been knowing him. And that's what it takes. It's repetition. But he's angry. I'm angry. And so when enough of us get angry, we will reach the critical mass, right? Mm. But we're not there yet. Mm. Uh, now, maybe we're getting there faster than ever before. You look at all the studies where you've quoted them, I've quoted them, the Institute of Policy studies by 2053, if nothing changes among African-Americans, uh, 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 black household median wealth will be zero, which mm. means that we will have effectively worked our way into a second slavery, right? So mm. um, so maybe maybe that's when we'll be angry. I, I, I don't. I hope not. I hope not. But there is enough of us that are angry, that are lighthouses. Mm. And Dr. Boyce, you're a lighthouse, and I mean that. I'm not. I'm not blowing smoke. And you, and you too, Rick. As long as I've been knowing you, your whole life has been committed to telling our story mm. in provocative ways with incredible people who have something to say, and it, it, it tends to be the same people, though. <laughs> 
right? Right? Because those are the people who are saying it. Those are the people that have platforms, they have reputations, they have legacy, right? And and uh, uh, you know, I tell people all the time. I know I'm, I'm I know I'm running my mouth, but but uh, I tell people all the time. If you go on to uh, on YouTube, there's a lot of stuff uh, of me on YouTube, um, and if you listen to that stuff. Uh, I have been saying the same damn thing, different ways, with different stories, but the same fundamental principle mm-hmm. for 40 years. My wow. rap hasn't changed. Everything that I've produced supports my story, mm-hmm. right? About the power and importance of the human connection, right? Yes. The, the power of proximity, and that is to hang out with people who are smarter than you. And if they're not smarter than you, you have to bless them and release them, right? Mm. So, and then the biggest decision, and I love you. I mean, you made a huge decision. The biggest decision we'll all make in our lives is our life partner, Mm. right? So I've been married now 50 years to the same sister. Mm. And I I was giving a lecture before this on, on, on how to establish a legacy. How do you get a legacy? I said, number one, the biggest really human decision you will make in your life will be your life partner. So Jean, Nora Jean, my wife of 50 freaking years has been putting up with my shit, right? Hours and hours and hours a week away from home. Fulfilling my purpose and, and, and my commitment to God of teaching and training and talking about the power of the human connection and building wealth and building businesses uh, for, you know, for, since we've been for, thir- for 36 years, at least. Mm-hmm. So um, it, wow. it takes a hell of a woman. So that's the first big decision. Your life partner, because your life, your, 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 your partner can make it hell or they can make it heaven. Ooh. And you've been blessed. I mean, your your wife is just, and you made a start. I don't know if you made a star out of her, but you've sure. I didn't know her before you two connected, but her public persona and a public presence and a public presentation, her display of empathy and knowledge and a softness but firmness at the same time. Uh, watch out, Doctor Boyce. <laughs> but, well, I don't know what you're feeding her, uh, but you 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 you, you creating a monster. It's a one plus one, though. Yeah, that's what you two got. One plus one, right? No question. Well, those partnership, you know, partnership and teamwork, you know, and uh, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm glad you're here. You know, I, I I tell you what, I think the Illuminati must have cut your internet connection because they didn't want this to happen. <laughs> That, that's what it was. That's who we're going to blame. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, Dr. Frazier, what you did in the film. And by the way, everybody, this is Dr. George C. Frazier. Uh, he has one of his one of his many popular books is called uh, Success Runs in Our Race. <clears throat> Everybody's got to read Dr. Frazier's books. Everybody in the chat, please. Uh, I'm begging you. Go look up his name. Look up his books. Uh, your latest, was your latest book called Click? Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's the follow. That's sort of networking 2.0. That was written. That was written um, uh, 15 years after the initial publication of mm. Success Runs in Our Race, which was 1994. Mm. And um, and it sort of set the world on fire. It was really the first book targeted, not the first networking book. There were 14 networking books out uh, when I decided to write Success Runs in Our Race. And I read them all 
to see what they were not saying. And you know what they weren't talking about? They weren't talking about us, right? They weren't talking about us. I said, this is such an important subject. We need a special book targeted to our own cultural picadillos and propensities uh, and then and, and heighten the awareness. So that was 19, 1994. And I said, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to helping our people understand the power and importance of networking, connecting the dots, leveraging more effectively our collective resources and intellectual capital. Prior to that, the networking was not uh, the word du jour in our culture in 1994. There were you, you couldn't go to a conference and there wasn't a networking thing going on. Now every black conference in America has a networking component. So mission accomplished. Well, well, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I think that um, I want everybody to kind of understand. I, I need everybody to have enough intentionality to realize that uh, when you're talking about your kids and your grandkids, uh, everybody in the chat, if you got kids or grandkids, uh, say yes to the chat, uh, put their names in the chat. You know, let's go ahead and bring them in here and, and talk about how great they are. Uh, I need you all to realize something very clear. It, for those, this is this will only work for people that are able to bust out of the brainwashing, and that's really probably only twenty percent of the population. To be honest with you, um, I need you to realize that the public school system and public educational systems and public universities are not the best places for Black people to learn what they need to learn in order to be successful. It's just not. It doesn't mean that those are bad places. There are great things you can learn there. I went to college, got a ton of education. Education is good, not anti-formal education, but. Your professors need to be people like this, this man right here. You know, th this man should be at the top of the list in terms of the professors you learn from because he's thinking about you. He designed his curriculum with you in mind. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm a professor. I When I wrote my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, I put the word black in there for a reason. You know, I could have said, you know, diverse economic power or or I could have just said economic power. Right. That's what people talk about. Well, you're and so that's an awesome. By the way, that's an awesome book. And thank you. That I mean, thank you for taking the time and the discipline to to drain your brain and to put it into words. Right? That is so powerful. Every and back at you, every black person within our voice uh, and 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 their connections should read that book. It's well written, but it's easy to consume. It's easy to understand, right? You you took rocket science and and you made it baby food, right? So it's easy to consume, and it's a great read, and it's really a relatively quick read. I like quick reads because really good books like yours, I I like to read them two or three times, mm -hmm. right? And I and I use them as references, as, as a reference guide. So it's it's just a you know, you, you, you got it like that. You got a big brain, but you also have a generous heart. Uh, and you just have, you, there's a, there's a certain profundity to you, uh, Dr. Boyce and, and profundity simply is defined as the ability to take something complex hmm. and to make it simple. That's what profundity is. And uh, you are, I, I, I watch you all the time. You may see me hanging out uh, in your audiences all the time. But, uh, and, you, and you just go, it's, it's, it's ex extemporaneous, it's improv, and, but it's always, you, you can always grasp it. You don't have to figure out, you know, you, I love Michael Eric Dyson. He was in my last book, but you got to figure out what Eric Dyson, Michael Eric Dyson, <laughs> you got to figure out what Dr. <laughs> we love him. 
right? We just love to see them sit back and rap, right? right? Wow, right? So, but, but just, so I'm not that. You're not that. And 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 we need we need all types, right, for us to to, to get where we're going. But uh, your your writing skills are uh, equivalent to your speaking skills. And that oh, you just thanks. make plain, and this I think why so many people love you, right? Yeah. That uh, you're transparent, uh, and uh, uh, you know, you tell it like it is. You know, if you got to use a curse word to, uh, to make an exclamation mark on dumb some dumb Negro shit. When I say Negro, <laughs> when I say Negro, let me let me let me let me spell that for you because I say this all the time. Negro, please. That's N E G R O W, right? Negro, please. Grow, <laughs> right? please. Yeah. Listen to this, brother. Grow. <laughs> right and so and we and we need it different ways we need your face in the place we need we need movies we you know with with the kind of consciousness that we have to sort of beat into our people and i mean that metaphorically uh and so we need different mediums and so you've got a giant you know rick's a giant in in, in, in the movie medium right you're a giant in, in the, your thought leader a, a writer uh and, and a speaker uh and you convene black people Right. That's a that's a right. You convene them. It's, it, 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 you know, at, at the, at the uh, uh, all black conference and other uh, smaller conferences in, that you're doing. That's very, very, very important because um, you're into touch and feel as I'm into touch and feel. Right. Mm. And actually, I know I'm going on and on because I love you. Actually, your persona live is of a gentle giant. Mm. of a patient listener because I, I, I observe you i mean I've, I've been around you enough and i i sort of you know and i'm a people person myself but you you're a gentle giant and you're a listener and you're empathetic right and you feel what people are saying and you know how to approach our people are saying and you know how to appropriately res to respond to them and that's love man that's love. That's what you are. You're a ball of love. Both you and Rick are ball of love. And it's all about love, right? Yeah. And you can't start it like a car and you can't stop it with a gun. Because every single thing we do is, is so that somebody will love us. That's that's really why we live. Is so somebody yeah. will love us. The clothes we wear, the movies we make, the books we write, the words we speak. And so somebody will love it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, for both of you, mission accomplished. Wow, that, that, that's very powerful what you said. <clears throat> you know, I, I uh, I'm humbled by it. I'm I'm left speechless by that. But and, it's the uh, truth. And, you know, we you don't know. have to blow smoke with each other, right? It's, it's the truth. I'm speaking from the heart. Mm -hmm. I ain't got no notes, right? I didn't write a speech, right? It's just what I feel when I'm around you. Wow. And I think yeah. other people feel the same thing. They feel safe. Mm -hmm. They feel, in a sense, protected by your by your mind and your thinking and 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 they follow those thoughts uh and, and they and they feel that you're accessible and you are wow mm -hmm. well, well i'll tell you what that's uh well thank you dr Fraser. I, I, I guess that's the best way to respond i i i have no more words for that I, oh, really thank mm -hmm. you for saying that yeah i i'll tell you um you know i i think i think we're in a battle you know and uh i believe we're gonna win and uh, what I love is uh, even, you know, when Rick makes his films, his film, his first uh, film, major film project that I knew about was Black Friday, 
So he used that word black. And, and I, I really want everybody to understand, you know, again, when you're talking about uh, the people you want to learn from, the ideas you want to sort of consider and pay attention to, um, there are people out here that are super smart, super talented, super capable, like the gentlemen that are here today that, uh, that have your best interest at heart. And so I think that we need to incorporate that into uh, how we how we're raising our families and our children. Right. What are the standard books that the kids need to read? Who are the scholars they need to learn from? What are the films they need to watch? Right. And what are the businesses that they need to support? And you start that early. Uh, and because uh, I, I like you, one thing you said, Dr. Frazier, that is really powerful and and uh, and then i, I want to put uh your clip from the film up so because i'd love to get your response on this is i remember you saying uh, something to the effect that we are all that we need and uh and and i you know i, I agree with that wholeheartedly and um and, uh, and if you allow me i, I want to pull up this uh scene of you in the film and uh, i hope everybody will help me uh i'm not real good at sharing my screen and doing it right so <laughs> sometimes i'll mess up the technology uh let me know if you can hear uh, hear and see uh, this film clip. Uh, this is a this is a sneak preview of our new film. It's called B One the Movie. Uh, it's starring a long list of big stars in our space, from uh, Dr. George C. Frazier, Dr. Claude Anderson, Riza Islam, on down, Vicky Dillard, etc. It's an amazing movie. We're going to release it this summer. Uh, here is a, a scene from Dr. Frazier, and I'm going to put this on the screen. And uh, give me a yes in the chat, everybody. Uh, once I start playing it, let me know if you can hear it. Okay, uh, that way I can, and I'm also even going to take the link. It's on a YouTube video, so I'm even going to take the link and share it in the chat so you guys can click on and watch it again if you want to. So now, here you go. Now, this is the airplane story. If you want to share the airplane story, this is different from the music clip. Yeah, this is the airplane story. Yes, this okay. is Dr. Frazier's clip. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm flying to Los Angeles. I happen to sit next to a young brother. Remember, I'm 77. He must have been 25. Now, his headphones were so loud, I could actually hear the music through his headphones. And for four hours, he had this music pumping into his brains that basically say, we ain't shit, you know, uh, promoting gangsterism, niggas, bitches, hoes, car. Four hours of that. You cannot tell me that a constant repetition of that kind of musical diet does not infect, affect, and effect both your conscious and subconscious mind. I understand that we have all been uh, programmed and poisoned to, to actually have an appetite for what's unhealthy for our spirits when it comes to music. We all have. Yeah, that's deep. Right. That's deep. So, that's Dr. Deep. Frazier, uh, what was, so what was going through your mind uh, when you, uh, told that story and, uh, and 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 elaborate on that in terms of uh, yeah. you know what the music because I remember another thing you said in the film was um, that our people ch black people changed when our music changed and I think it's important to hear from you because you have that extra life experience that some of a lot yeah. of us don't have yeah I'll uh, talk about that a little bit yeah and I don't want to give away because it's a thunderous piece 
and, and in fact, Rick sent me a little that little uh, ditty from from the film. He said, "Well, why don't you put this up on social media, see what people say?" Because I said, you know, people ask me all the why, why, why have we changed? And I said, well, we changed because of, uh, when our music changed. And and, and it, he just dropped it right there, right? He just dropped an A-bomb and then, uh, you know, he <laughs> and then he announced the movie. Uh, and so I had a lot of, lot of people comment on it with, with an amen, not, not negative. No, I had, had no negative, not one negative response. Uh, uh, but, but people say, you know, I sort of never really thought about it that way. Well, I'm 78 now. Right. So uh, <clears throat> growing up in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I grew up in a church um, like most of us where gospel was played. I grew up uh, in a bastion of jazz, jazz music. Uh, and met artists. My father was, a, was he was a cab driver, but he was a part time drummer. And uh, they had jam sessions in, in his brownstone in Brooklyn. So I met a lot of the, a lot of the you know the, the big guys, Miles and Coltrane and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that music. It was an art form, right? So when you grow up on that stuff, you just you just fall in love with it. Um, and it was always about teaching us an art, you know, the art of improvisation, the art of being able to create right on the spot. Right to take a take a, a, a sixteen bars and start with uh, you know my favorite things one of the favorites from John Coltrane and then riff on that <laughs> right <laughs> just go completely off and just do something that is you know completely uh, imaginative and innovative and it was just it was an art form uh, appreciated globally and and respected globally and crossed all socioeconomic and color lines right that was an art form and then of course we grew up in the heyday of motown oh my god Right from the lyrics of a Stevie Wonder and the lyrics of a Marvin Gaye, we were thinking we were talking about love and family and, and Smokey Robinson and 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 so I, I grew up listening to that, which inspired us. We, yes, we partied to it; it had a nice beat to it. But the but but, but we would sing the lyrics. I, I can't sing rap lyrics. First of all, I, I I can't do the cadence of rap, and 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 most of the time I don't really understand what they're saying. Uh, I just hear all the, all, all the negative stuff, and and and, uh, and 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 maybe I'm just tuned out to all all all. It's just. You know, it's just from, from whence I came. So music from slavery has been an extraordinarily important art form of communication for black people. The driving beat, which is just the roots are in Africa. This is what we move to. We cannot, black people, if you really black, you cannot, you cannot hear a driving beat and not move. That's just... It just comes through us. This, this is who we are. This and, and and this is the thing that rap has. It has good beats and good rhythms, right? If you just took the words out and listened to some of, of, of the beats and rhythms, they are really, really nice. But the glorification of violence, the sexualization of our women, uh, the drug use that it promotes, uh, the violence that it promotes, um, uh, the, the ego uh, that, that, that it expresses uh, is, is, I think, damaging. See, when we, uh, 
people watching you and, and I and, and Rick, uh, people watching television, people listening to radio, uh, people reading, uh, what do they call stuff on television when you watch it? It's called programming. 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 We're being programmed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's going into your brain, especially if it's repetitive, right? And this stuff is going into your brain uh, in huge chunks because we're spending a disproportionate uh, amount of time. And I, I raised two boys. And it was hell for them in my house. And they grew up under rap. And we had uh, we had big fights over that. Big fights over that. I, I said, I don't want you listening to that. Because when they went to high school, um, this is when rap, was, gangster rap was big. Um, they were getting uh, C's and D's. They were spending a, a lot of their time listening to this music was almost addictive mm -hmm. and uh, finally one day i went into their room they were there i got all of this it was cds then all the cds and i threw them in the trash mm -hmm. i said until you have until your grades are better and something happens with these lyrics i'm I, you, you're not going to listen to this in my house so they were four. It's like taking somebody off a of dope or cigarettes or whatever, whatever the case may be. And guess what? Their grades went up. Their grades went up, right? Because they were they're smart, so they it went up to Bs and B pluses. So it made them unproductive. They were spending more time listening to that crap, right? And and high fiving each other, and 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 so it was it was it, it was damaging to a generation. Not all of rap. Not all rap, but just a lot of it, especially in the early iterations. Not in the in the earliest iterations. Uh, uh, Biggie uh, from Brooklyn, uh, Tupac, right? They were really talking about com community conditions. They were not talking about bitches, you know, that kind of thing, right? It was really about community protests and speaking on the conditions of their community, which were legitimate. And they were very articulate and you could understand them. Um, and then it evolved. And I think now it's devolving. So I think for me, the new hero of rap is Kendrick Lamar. Now this is the only rapper in the history of rapping that has won a Pulitzer Prize. Wow. Wow. Feel it's a prize. So, um, and 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 they're cleaning some of it up. I I think they acknowledge psychological damage uh, and the imagery damage <laughs> and the way our women are portrayed in those rap videos, right? Uh, are like sluts and hoes, right? And that and that young women watch that stuff all over BET at the time or, or MTV and they think they have to they have to look like that and be that have red hair big boobs right and and and, and twerk uh, to, to be accepted so it has had collateral damage and and, and um, uh, that has changed two generations and we see it you see the evidence of it, and um, but but it's evolving, and I think all music does evolve. And I think I I I think let, let us pray at the end of the day because it is a culture, 
right? It's a, right, it's a, it's a, so I went to, I was in Ghana. This was 10 years ago. I was in Ghana, walking down uh, a main street in Ghana, and there was a store. And uh, the, 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 the name of the store was Niggas, N-I-G-G-A-Z-A-H, Niggas. Wow. And look at this. This is a true story. I took a picture of it. Mm. And I said, who's the owner of this store? And a nice brother said, I said, man, why, why are you calling yourself niggas? Why are you calling your store a nigger? He said, well, that's what I see. I mean, that's what's popular in music. I, did. I said, but wow. do you know what that means? Do you understand what, what you're saying, what you're, uh, what you're portraying with that? One of the most damaging words uh, in, Amer in, in, in the English language. Mm. And uh, and so we sat down. We had a uh, we had a nice little conversation. And I went back about a year, two years later. He actually did change the name of the store, but he was just infected, affected, and affected. He just thought that was the thing everybody was seeing it and saying it, so it must be okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know what, Doctor Frazier, It's funny what you know when you were speaking. I was reflecting on. <clears throat> um, some stuff I, I know my wife uh she she she's read a lot of books about the subconscious mind and i asked her um you know what are some things that can that program the subconscious mind i'm absolutely convinced that this music has a huge impact on the youth i, I think it's crazy when people say it's just entertainment um that yeah. that right there tells me you maybe you never took psychology 101 right. you know and how music actually makes your subconscious open for suggestion if you ever want to hypnotize somebody or get them or send a subliminal message, put some music on it, put it to a nice beat, and it'll sit right into that subconscious. And the subconscious is what drives who we are as human beings, right? It's not what you consciously want to do. It's what you're just programmed to do. And uh, a few things uh, based on my research that I found were uh, powerful tools to uh, impact the subconscious uh, was one, repetition. Uh, that, that was at the top of the list. You know, anything that you're repeating right, and everybody right. should listen. If you're repeating negative thoughts to yourself about yourself, I'm too fat, I'm too ugly, whatever. Think about this. They, I, you know, uh, to give you an example of how powerful that is, there are women that weigh 100 pounds that think that they're fat, you know, that, that have, you know, anorexia, bulimia and all that because they have been they, they, when they look in the mirror, they see a fat person. How can you see a fat person when you weigh 98 pounds? You know, um, uh, what else? Uh, mental imagery. That was another thing that came up. Uh, and if you look at a lot of videos, I want people to pay attention. I need y'all to be smart about this. You got to be, this is why I need you to consciously overcome what they're trying to do to your subconscious. Your conscious mind should be protecting your subconscious. Right. If you watch these hip hop music videos, they tend to have the same stuff, the same imagery. They tend to have, um, you know, uh, weapons, uh, women, uh, you know, we're, you know, wearing no clothes. Uh, maybe, maybe something, uh, involving, uh, like, like some money nearby, like some luxury items, you know, right. I'm driving a, a Rolls Royce. I'm a boss because I've got this, this money and this pretty girl with this gun on my side. And then we're in my, my, you know, my Lamborghini, right. Same imagery, every single video, same imagery. Uh, the third piece they mentioned was, um, uh, in terms of programming the subconscious mind is, uh, what they vaguely refer to as subliminal messaging, which is, uh, it's a type of hypnosis. And they said, specifically when i did the research they said music can be used to really do that right to, to hypnotize so i argue that um that this wasn't a coincidence i i think that there were people who saw uh you know i i think they really saw uh, a scenario where they said okay this is really affecting black people 
This is what this can make them either uh, form the next revolution or it can turn them into slaves. And I think that there were people who deliberately took control of that, similar to slavery, when they realized that the pastors had so much influence over the slaves. They said, "Okay, let's poison the pastor's message. Right. So some of the pastors were preaching, you know, be a good slave and you'll get your pie in the sky in heaven. And millions of slaves believe that. So we're just basically we're the new slaves to some extent by sort of having these messages that are so harmful. And I and I don't understand why people don't just don't see this all around us. And uh, and and I you know maybe it's because I'm closer to the culture. I've been a fan of hip hop for a long time. I listen to the old and the new. I watch the youth very carefully. And uh, and I and I'll end with this story in Chicago. This past week, there was a black woman police officer, a black female police officer, who uh, had just finished her law degree. And she walks out on her front porch and two young black men uh, between the ages of 16 and 19, three of them, I'm sorry, three of them, I believe, went up and they just shot her and killed her. And I read uh, that story. And, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when they asked him, when they asked the kids, mm-hmm. like, like, why did you do this? Did you know her? Like, were you, did you know, was this, were you settling the score? Would, did she do something to you? And they said, no, we were just bored. I kid you not. <laughs> they, they literally said we were bored. And, 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 and so, you know, it doesn't mean that the music is the only factor in this, right? There's a lot of other socioeconomic right. issues you could talk about in Chicago in terms of economic development and politics mm-hmm. and all that. But Lord, I mean, when, when you have all, the, all this despair around you and then the music only accentuates this idea that, you know, that you want to be a killer and a shooter and, and that this is how you gain some sort of status and this is what everybody's doing. Um, that really affects the mind of a 16, 17 year old. Of course. You know, and, and, and I just don't know why we're not more aggressive in speaking on this. You know, we, we will fight like hell uh, over, uh, say, a George Floyd incident, which we should. Right. That, right. that was a problem. Right. But if George Floyd had been killed by a black man, I don't think anybody would have cared. No, nope. and that's a problem. That that shows we, we that the that we need we don't have that intentionality and that proactiveness to decide our own destiny. We're sitting back waiting on white folks to decide that Black Lives Matter. I'm not waiting on nobody. I'm not even waiting on half these Negroes. Right. You know, you know, it's it's crazy to me. So uh, I, I said a lot. I didn't mean to over talk that. Um, uh, what do you? What no, do you. No, you put an exclamation part uh, point. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's that was that was good. There's nothing left to be said. You right between between what I said, you said. Mm-hmm. I mean that that covers it, and hopefully we will recover from this. It will take. Uh, people, uh, just another question, people. How how long do you think, Doctor Fraser, it will take us uh, to, uh, to to sort of overcome the psychological holocaust that we have gone through, second through none in the history of humankind? Uh, as a sidebar, I mean, there is no other culture on earth that called their women uh, the equivalent of niggas, bitches, and hoes. I mean, no no one else on earth does that but us mm. <laughs> we're the only ones mm-hmm. so what's up with that no one else does that we're the only ones on earth right mm-hmm. Jewish men don't you know, call them oh Dr. Frazier looks like you're going in and out a little bit I mm-hmm. think the Illuminati cut your Wi-Fi again yeah, he's not he's not saying too much about, about the music. Yeah. But but the thing the thing is, I wanted to chime in real quick. You know, when he said it's programming, and when you say it's just entertainment, 
Right now in Atlanta, Georgia, Young Thug is sitting in jail for lyrics and music that he created as entertainment. Mm. But now he's being uh, he's being prosecuted for those same lyrics and that same music. You know what I'm saying? So is it just entertainment? When is it entertainment? And when does it cross the line to be something else? Well, you know, uh, by the way, Dr. Frazier, are you back with us? Uh, look, it looks like he froze. I, I'm going to remove Dr. Frazier for one second. Yeah. He'll, he'll come back in. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of, like, interesting because there are people who believe, for example, that a person should be prosecuted for saying the N-word. Uh, there are people who believe that a person should be prosecuted if they scream fire in a crowded theater and somebody gets trampled. Um Trump and, and the crew, you know, for January 6th, they're getting prosecuted for things that they said that caused the riot, right? So, uh, you know, if that's all true, if you agree with those things, then you have to make an argument that, uh, you know, lyrics in, the, in a song can be influential as well. Also, what, and I'm bringing, it looks like Dr. Frazier's back, I'm bringing it back in. Uh, also, one thing I've noticed about rappers, because I pay very close attention to what they're doing, is that, they got some of our kids stuck on stupid. They, the, 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 you know, they literally, you have guys, and, and it happens in Chicago too, well, they'll go kill somebody and then, and then rap about it. They, they, it's like the, a, a message they're sending back and forth. In Chicago, drill rap was very big. So they're like, we'll go kill your friend, and then I'm going to say it in a record so everybody knows that we did it. Well, you know, the rival gang ain't the only ones watching. The feds are watching too. The police are watching too. You know, uh, so so I, I just wish, you know, Dr. Frazier's back. I'm glad he's back. I think that one of the things, and it's happened a little bit now, but it needs to happen more. Uh, I believe that when we lost fathers in our community, we really lost just so much. We lost trillions of dollars in in, in potential, economically and otherwise, uh, because it's a, a good father that tells you, son, you know, don't go kill somebody. And then if you do kill somebody, don't go rap about it. You know, like, let me tell you what the, what happens when you get a RICO charge. Let me tell you about my friend back in 1987 who got, you know, who was taken down by the fans because a lot of these poor young guys, and I feel so terrible for them, they don't find out how serious this game is until they've gotten 85 years in prison. Mm -hmm. And then by that time it's over, game over. You're out of the yeah. game now. They've removed you from That's society. And, uh, and, 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 and and that's what they ultimately want to do. I believe they want to exterminate the black male like a cockroach. Uh, if you listen to even some of Biden's rhetoric 30 years ago when he brought the three strikes law and everything, because crime was kind of going, you know, getting rampant. Uh, he pretty much said these people are beyond the pale. They can't be redeemed. These kids coming from single parent households. That's coded language. You know, they were talking about us. And he literally said they need to be removed from society, exterminated pretty much. That's yeah. not that far from something that a, 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 that a, a Hitler might have said. Hitler just went a, another step further in terms of actually literally physically exterminating people. But if you get somebody 30, 40 years in prison, that's kind of the same effect. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Frazier, please. Uh, I, the, 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 also, the insult to injury is that we, we produce it, we write it and perform it, but we don't really own it. <laughs> we don't own it either right uh, and so yeah we get a piece of the action but it's all like in anything and in, 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 you know if you've got a big publisher uh, the deal i had with harper collins on success runs in our race was i get 15 they get 85 uh, <laughs> right right, right? Mm -hmm. so for the past 30 years right and you know the book is mm -hmm. you know, they've made uh, 50 times their money so um uh, yeah so we don't own it 
uh, which means that we don't really control it. And those who control it uh, un understand what music, what what lyrics and what type of things sell in our the ignorant part of our community. And that's the stuff that, that, that they give give you permission to produce. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because if you produce it, you can't get distribution. Now that's getting easier now, but, mm -hmm. but, but fundamentally, and it was actually, it was the same um, with jazz. It was it really, we didn't, you know, we, we created it, but we didn't own it back then. Uh, uh, less so with R&B. Uh, Motown really dominated, and there were several other black labels at that time, Sussex and, and and so forth, that owned and 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 hired uh, you know blacks, and they got a piece of it and so forth. So, wow. but that is, I I don't know, I I, I don't know, is is there a a a, a black rap um, mogul who owns a big piece of the rap category? Well, I mean, they own some of them own their publishing, but for the most part, we don't own the distribution channels, which is where the money is. Right, which is where the money is. Right, mm -hmm. right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, that's I, the thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think that black ownership is 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 definitely mm -hmm. something um, that has to be thought about. You know, in in this deeper sense, that I think um, it seems to me that every game, whether you win or lose the game, is determined by whether you understand the game, what position you're, you're seeking to play in the game. If I show up to the NBA finals and, uh, and I don't know anything about what's happening in that building, uh, there are a lot of roles I could play in that game. I could be, um, I could be LeBron James. I could be the guy on the bench. I could be the coach. I could be the referee. I could be somebody in the stands. I could be the cheerleader, right? I could be the water boy. There's a lot of roles I can play. And if I'm not intentional about what role I want to play, Right. Then I'm going to end up playing the role that somebody else told me That's to play. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like so. So if if I ask the team owner, you know, well, what role should I play? And he says, Oh, well, you're black. You should. You're supposed to be um, the water boy, or you're supposed to be in the stands. You know, you, you buy a ticket and you sit in the stands. That's what you do. Uh, then I'm. You know, I may not have considered the fact that maybe I could have been a player on the court, or I could have been the coach, or I could have been something else. So business is kind of the same way in a business. There are so many different roles a person can play. You got the CEO all the way down to the person, the guy in the mailroom. And I think that what we've got to do is realize in America, you know, those folks, they, they're not going to train you to be the boss. You go, you're going to have to learn that on your own. You're going to have to have the, the, the clarity of mind to say, I'll, I'll do a deal with you, but I'm going to, I want to be in the executive suite. I don't want to be in the right. mailroom, right? <laughs> or I'm smart. I don't want to be yeah. the employee. I want to be, you know, yeah. and you know, and so so I really think that just that culture, having a culture that uh that that is um that is that values wealth, ownership, and even something as simple as power can go a very long way. Maybe all of us can't do it, right? Everybody doesn't right. have the same IQ, but a lot of people watching this video right now have Children that are smart enough to be the boss, they're smart enough to be the CEO, they're smart enough to scale, they're smart enough, smart enough to employ other people. But if you don't teach them how to do those things, all they're going to do is get a great job and they're going to think they've reached the pinnacle of their success. Right. You look at Elon Musk, richest, one of the richest men on earth. He's worth $189 billion. If you really break it down, if Elon Musk had been raised in a limited environment that limited his potential, limited his risk taking, all these other things. 
he would have just been a great engineer. He would have been a great engineer making about a quarter million a year, thinking he's on top of the world. But somebody explained to him the importance of scaling up his talent. Right. So now he's a guy that employs a million people. That's right. Right. So so that's what I think you know has to occur because uh, we've got to find some way to really elevate the masses of black people. I'm tired of celebrating some some Negro on TV or somebody, you know, just these symbolic successes like, oh, the Little Mermaid is black. Yeah, that's nice. But, you know, that's a Disney movie. <laughs> we, don't, we don't own that. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's it feels good, but it's not going to make a, 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 a it doesn't make any impact or even a negligible impact on the economic well-being of the masses of black people. I want to see where we're going to create the next black Walt, Walt Disney. That's what I, where we're going to, you know, develop right. him or her finance him or her uh, make sure that him or her has the infrastructure, make sure him or her has the leadership capacity to even build something like that. Because you think about that, right? Uh, you know, a guy like a Walt Disney that built this, you know, half built trillion dollar empire. He had to think a certain way to even allow that to grow into what it became. That's right. Right. That's right. So we got we to breed those CEOs. That, that's my point. You know, Doctor, right. I'm, I'm going to let you get the last word. I didn't mean to talk over talk, brothers. No, 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 no. I could listen to you all day, you know, really, both Rick and I. You really, you really contribute a lot. Um, we have to persist. We have to persist. I insist that we persist. Uh, let me say that a different way that ambition uh, is the road to success. But persistence is the vehicle that you arrive in, okay? You have to persist, right? Uh, let me say it a different way. A river cuts through rock not because of its power, but because of its persistence, mm -hmm. right? We're still here in spite of all of the shit that we have gone through <laughs> because we have persisted. Yes. We've persisted. And I, I think that's an operative word. You persist, and 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 Rick persists in spite of the obstacles, right? And there is going to be obstacles, and I eat obstacles as vitamins. I love obstacles. I really do. All right, right. Maybe I'm a little crazy, and I think I've said to you on your show my favorite my favorite quote outside of the Bible is a quote by Marcus Aurelius one of the founders of the Stoic philosophy. And um, Marcus Aurelius said that the impediment to action advances the action. What mm. stands in your way becomes the way, right? Um, said another way, the obstacle is the way. Where there is no obstacle, there is no way. If a mountain was smooth, you couldn't climb it. Right. Mm. Right. So it's about obstacles. So when God prepares you uh, for your, let's say, first assignment, he gives you that assignment. Uh, and then what's the first thing God does? He puts an obstacle in your way. And your job is to find a way over, around, through and under the obstacle to, to stumble, fall, fail. Right. I tell people all the time, I have failed my way to success, but I've learned. Right. Because if you don't, if you if you fail to learn from the obstacle, we know it's biblical what, what the prognosis is. You're going to keep repeating the damn thing until you learn it. And we have all met Negroes who we have said either to them face to face or in our own mind, Negro, you never learn.
Right. You, you've done the same damn thing over and you just haven't learned the lessons from them. So mm -hmm. obstacles are extraordinarily important. I do not fear them. Right. Um, uh, when someone someone says, no, I don't think you can do that. Oh, that really excites me. Right. That, that turns me on and inspires me. Oh, oh, really? Watch this. Right. So uh, it's, it's it's so we, we, we I think we have to ingest this thing called uh, uh, obstacles in ways that empower us and uh, inspire us. And I know you've overcome. I mean, I've heard we've talked about your story at Syracuse and so forth. And I know ain't no way Rick has done what he has done, not overcoming obstacles. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's what it is. And it's OK. Right. And you've navigated and negotiated that. And so that's a that's a model. And both of you are models. And that's what we need. We need. And so that means the, the responsibility that we have is to model the behavior that we expect from our people. Now, not everybody is going to get it that way. Right. But we we're modeling it. This is the way we're pointing the way. These are the books to read. Right. These are the things to think. This is the music to listen to. Uh, right. And so some will get it. Some won't get it. Right. And you. Right. And, and, and so. So my point here is this may sound a little harsh. So I'm going to say this and still be loved. Don't spend one minute of your time. Don't spend one minute, brothers and sisters, those of you listening out there of your time trying to help somebody that does not want to be helped because there are too many who are reaching up trying to grab and for, looking for help those are the ones you help because mm -hmm. they'll listen and hang on every word they'll do what you tell them to do those are the ones that you focus on and then you wait for those who who think you're you know think think you're you're not what you you know you, you're saying that you are and they, they're not looking for your help or they think they have found the way you wait until they get older uh, and, and, and wiser, hopefully, but, but spend your time helping those that want help. Let me say that one different way. I'll close with this, that, um, so this is a piece of advice, brothers and sisters and God, God, will remove you, will remove you from a table that you used to sit at in order to save you from a host that is serving you poison. Mm -hmm. So, and we have all been at those tables, mm -hmm. right? And either the gut tells us or something happens and oh, you bless it and release it, right? So, if respect, what's the old saying? If respect isn't being served, right, uh, leave. Mm. Well, right? Give respect and expect respect. All right. Those are very wise words. Uh, and, and by the way, everybody, if you just came in, I'm talking with uh, Dr. George C. Frazier, author of Success Runs in Our Race and also Click. And uh, he also has the, um, now, is it still called the Power Networking Conference? Or yeah, it's, it's, it's a Power Networking Conference, but interestingly enough, uh, it's, um, uh, this is the last year of the Power Networking Conference as you know it. So this is an announcement. So it's going to be a big year. We're going to reveal 
uh, our big legacy project, the Black Business Legacy Hall of Fame and Museum. That will be the grand reveal at the conference. Uh, um, and we've got a couple of other big surprises. Uh, so this is the last year, uh, as you know it. Uh, we're going to take a year off, maybe two, and we're going to totally reimagine the conference. I mean, it's 22 years. We, we had a good run. If you had a house that was 22 years old, you would need a fresh damn coat of paint, right? Right? You need a fresh paint, right? So we've had a, an incredible run. It's time now for PNC 2.0. It's 22 years. The whole damn world has changed, man. There are two new generations around, right? So we have to look at this thing through a different set of glasses, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to take some time off so I can focus on getting uh, the Hall of Fame done, uh, the museum, and the metaverse piece. That'll be out in 2024. Um, so, uh, and then reinvent P. And see, it'll come back as a 2.0. And I'm working on, uh, I'm, I'm working thematically because you know when you when you give up stuff like that, uh, it's like giving up a child, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly, your mind is constantly trying to figure out ways to check your own self and to change your own damn mind. So I'm thinking, believe it or not, I'm thinking about themes. Mm -hmm. Power Networking 2.0 in 2025, right? Because we're not back before 2025, and it may be even a little later than that. But I'm thinking about how would I, what, what would that be? And so I, I just, I, I thought, I thought of one today. They just pop in my mind, and I know they do with you. And you got to get them. You got to when they pop in your mind, you got to write them down. Yes. You got to write them down, or you'll lose it, right? And um, and, and see, now I'm trying to remember the damn thing. And, 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 and what, what the hell? What, what, oh, 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 just, this is for, just for tone. The, the theme would be um, ascendancy requires innovation. So the theme of the conference going forward maybe uh, might be addressing innovation. We, we've got to bring forward brothers and sisters who are thinking innovatively, doing new stuff different ways, right? And there are plenty of them out there, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so that may be the next theme is, is focusing on innovation in Black mm -hmm. America. Who is doing that? Who's saying things differently? Who's building things differently? Who's looking at things differently? Who's creating differently, right? For, 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 for generations to come. So that's where we're going. So the conference is, is it August 2nd through the 5th. And I know you have something going on around the same time. I, I, I do. I do. Um, I'm going to double check. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to try to wiggle my schedule because I love I love the Power Networking Conference yeah. and I hate it having to miss it this year. But I'm going to ask. I'm going to double check to see okay. what I can do. Now, I, I love you. So and, and, and it's, it's I mean, listen, it's important that you be out there, man. Right. You have a powerful voice. People love you. And it's important that you touch them. Right. It's important. Very, very, very important. So that that's a that's a beautiful thing, and, and a lot of folks don't do that. You do at the, at the lead, leadership level that you're at, right? And and you reach a lot of people, uh, you know, through through your programming. But but um, touching them it takes you 
takes how they feel about you to a whole different level. So if you can be there, that, that's that, that's wonderful. Um, August the 2nd through the 5th, brothers and sisters in Houston, Texas. Um, and uh, we'll be revealing the, the Black Business Hall of Fame and Museum and some other big things. And it'll be uh, it'll be the grand finale for yeah. uh, PNC 1.0. What's the website? Oh, powernetworkingconference.com, www.powernetworkingconference.com. And uh, 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 it's, you know, I've spent a huge part of my life uh, loving on it and and curating it for 22 years, as you you do with your conferences. And so I'm not going to give it up. I'm just going to reinvent it. Everything, right? Right, well, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I want everybody to know I love the conference. It's amazing. And I encourage everybody to attend. Um, and so uh, so the last thing I wanted to do was uh, uh, show a four-minute clip. I, I, I told Rick I had just 30 minutes, and I had to ask my wife for permission to to stretch it out because I know we got a little bit of a later start. But, um, but the last thing I wanted to do was uh, play a four-minute clip uh, trailer of the film. Uh, I hope you guys would like to see it. Give me a yes in the chat if you'd like to see it. And uh, Rick, as I pull up the clip, can you describe or, or explain your thinking behind uh, this four-minute trailer? Uh, the movie's called B1. The movie's coming out this summer. Uh, we are going to do a sneak peek in Atlanta at the Juneteenth Festival. Is that what's called, the Juneteenth Festival? Correct. Yeah, the Juneteenth Festival. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then we're also going to do a red carpet event at the All Black National Convention, which is going to happen October 20th through the 22nd. Oh, great. In, in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, Dr. Frazier. So, in, in of course, oh, yeah. you know, always you welcome. Count me in. Yeah, we're right. definitely here. Well, I I, I I appreciate that very much. So, uh, Rick, uh, as I pull this up, what, what was your thinking as you as you put this together? So, so B one the movie is a solution based film. In that, in producing this film, we looked at what are the key pressing areas in the black community that we need to have dialogue around and offer solutions. So, in that, we started with entertainment as Dr. Frazier so eloquently spoke on the effects of music, as well as film, imagery. A lot of times people don't realize the power of images. The gentleman in Ghana that had the business called Nigga was influenced by the images that he saw on television relating to Black people in America, the music that he heard uh, relating to Black people in America. So he took it as, This is the cool thing. This is the hip thing. So what we want to do is we want to have conversations around these topics, everything from relationships. You spoke on children's education to health. You know, Dr. Frazier, I salute you. You're 78 years old and you go like you're 38, man. So, you know, I aspire to be like you. I'm I'm, I'm on on purpose. Exactly. And, And the last thing, you know, one of the last things we closed with a powerful scene. I won't give it away in the film. But it retains to relationships, you know, and I salute you, Dr. Frazier, as well as uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins on, you know, the lovely wives that y'all have and honoring, you know, y'all wives and, and treating them like queens and, and having that relationship. So we talk about the power of relationships in this film. So that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to touch on the key points in the black community that we need to have dialogue and offer practical solutions. Uh, with this film, we've also created a curriculum journal with Queen Thais, who's probably the top uh, black homeschooler in the country. You know, mm. she's 
and high demand when it That's comes great. to homeschooling. So we we're, we're creating the uh, the um, curriculum journal where we have exercises that you will complete that coincides with the film. So these exercises will coincide with the film in your journal. You know, you were speaking about music. One of those exercises is actually stopping the music and actually reading the lyrics of the songs that you're listening to and then writing, what's my interpretation of these lyrics? How does these lyrics affect me? Am I on code or off code as I listen to these lyrics? Because again, that's the undertone of this film. The film is about being on code, you know? So that's what it is. So that those are the points and those are uh, some of the things that we really took into consideration when producing this film. Okay, perfect. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and, uh, and I'd like for everybody to uh, give me a give me a yes if you can hear and see everything. Also, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to put a link in the chat uh, for anybody that wants to go and uh, check out the trailer after the fact on YouTube, or uh, if you want to share this trailer with your friends and family. Uh, we need y'all, man. You know, we need we need you. You all are our distrib- You are our, our lion's gate. You know, uh, <laughs> we need distribution. So uh, everybody, all hands on deck. Everybody's got a social media account. If everybody could take the trailer, share it, talk about the film. Uh, you're all part of the cast. Uh, we can't do this without you. This film is about you. This is about the B1 movement. And uh, so let me go ahead and um, share the screen and give me a yes in the chat if you can hear and see everything. Uh, when I start playing this, I want to make sure the audio, the video is coming through okay. So uh, as we start playing, give me a yes to let me know that it's coming through all right. Here we go. For years, black people have been taught the other races first. But how would our community look when we establish a code of conduct that puts black people first? Your family is your natural economic gang and everybody should be affiliated. There should be a code of conduct. Everybody has to be on the same page. If you cannot get everybody on the same code, then you cannot win. All races have an unspoken code of conduct from Chinese to Japanese to Mexican to European. (laughs) Even the KKK has a code of conduct that they operate under. They raise money for Kyle Rittenhouse. They raise money for George Zimmerman. They stuck to their code to ensure that, hey, I got you. If we're following the rules of the system, we're already off code. The system was never designed nor set up for us to be successful. What is it going to take for black people to establish a code of conduct that puts black people first? No Chinese person, no Latino, no no Arab, no Jew, no white man has ever had to be asked such a question. The first thing that we have to have is a code, and that code has to be a patronymic code because we are black. And if we look at the Constitution, that is a patronymic code that we can follow 
but not actually used because that's someone else's code of conduct and code of building wealth and prosperity that is able to be passed through airship for generations and for perpetuity. But 99% of all the blacks in the country, whether they got an education from college or not, they don't know what the constitution is all about. The constitution was the first affirmative action plan in the United States. And it was written strictly and solely for white folk. That's why in the constitution, one up to 12 is for white people. In those 12 amendments, you'll hear him talking about, he'll be talking about things like using very broad and ambiguous terms so that black folk can never figure out what the constitution was about. But what if we established a black constitution that, that puts black people first and is built on the principles of love, respect, and unity? If black people put black people first, then we will take the planet back. That's the fact. We have already survived the Middle Passage. We have survived the crack epidemic. We have survived mass incarceration. We have survived all type of experiments. And here we are still standing. Being black is being resilient. That is the code. It's embedded in our DNA. Like that's the, that's the blood that's, that's in your veins. When you know that, and you know Mansa Musa was the richest person ever. When you understand that and you understand where you come from and you understand that anything is possible, you will understand that abundance is your birthright, right? Stop resisting your, yo, you resisting your greatness. Stop resisting your greatness. You great. And once you understand that and you understand your greatness, right? I am greatness on display. all right all right all right wow. so everybody uh if you could give a digital uh a digital applause uh for rick for doing excellent work uh rick and his team put that together and that is just a sneak uh preview of the film it's called b1 the movie comes out this summer uh, Dr. Frazier, we, we were, uh, first of all, let me start with Rick and then I, I'll go to you, Dr. Frazier, let you get the last word. Uh, so Rick, how does it feel, you know, to kind of put all that work and I know you put a lot of sweat equity into this film and you busted your butt on this. Um, and it was an honor to work with you on this project, uh, because I want everybody to know Rick isn't just talented, but he's just a great guy to work with. I, that's my first measuring stick of whether or not I want to work with somebody. I don't, I don't work with assholes for very long. Uh, and, uh, and Rick is a good guy. He's hardworking. He's talented. How did it feel to sort of see your, your work kind of on screen and everybody checking it out? Man, I mean, it's surreal. You know, at the end of the day, I love black people, man. I'm proud of my blackness and I love me some black people. So I'm going to do everything in my power and my mm -hmm. being to elevate that, to project that, and to inspire other people to, you know, feel the same way. You know, sometimes people, you know, are ashamed of the blackness, but at the end of the day, we black, man. That's that's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? So to see, uh, you know, the completion of the film, because one thing is 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 getting the project completed. I mean, it's 
it's a task getting the project completed. I know you guys have worked on some phenomenal projects and you can attest to that. But just getting the project completed, you know, is 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 a blessing to me. And um, and doing it in the spirit and the honor of my mom, you know, she made a transition during this film project and just, yeah. you know, to have her see the trailer in the beginning and seeing it, you know, evolve and get feedback from her while she was alive. You know, she told me, take that burning car out of the out of the out of there. So and I did that. And that, you know, that's not in there. So just to do this in, in her name and her honor and to start a foundation. You know, we have the Gwen Lewis Foundation that we're starting and that we'll be uh, producing events in conjunction with uh, B1 the movie. You know, so we've started the foundation and, you know, we want to do things in her honor and to keep her name alive. So at the end of the day, it's surreal, but it's really about, you know, the ancestors and the people whose shoulders we stand on to uh, project, you know, this energy and, and this love and this compassion for black people. Well, I love it, man. Um, everybody, uh, before I let Dr. Frazier uh, take us out, the last word, can can we bring uh, Miss Gwen Lewis in the chat? So everybody type, uh, it's L-E-W-I-S, right? So uh, let's do an Ashe, everybody type. Everybody type Gwen Lewis or Miss Lewis, Mama Lewis, Mama Gwen, whatever you whatever you want to call her, we're we going to call her in because I'm, I'm sure she's very proud of you, Rick. Um, you know, and uh, we all love our mamas. Uh, and uh, and Miss Lewis sounds like an amazing lady. I, I wish I could have met her. Um, so, Dr. Frazier, uh, what are your thoughts when you, when you see this? Uh, you know, the, we're, we're trying to see what we can do to build a Black-owned film industry that is, um, you know, that, that's clear and firm in terms of the values of, of people that put Black people first. Uh, you know, not you know, no shenanigans, no silliness, no buffoonery, just uh, solution-oriented uh, methods of bringing the, the most intelligent people to the forefront. Uh, that everybody should be hearing from. Uh, what What are your thoughts about the project and, and where it's going? It, it, it is a solid brick in the foundation of reclaiming ourselves, programming us in a good way. I mean that in a good way. And keep repeating very, very important messages. We cannot say these things enough. Right. We got to say that's the key to learning simplicity and repetition. You got to say it 50 different ways on 50 different ways through every medium that you have any control over. So this is a huge cemented brick. And I, I think what will be a foundation of projects uh, like this being taken on, uh, hopefully in all the various mediums uh, that we can we have any sort of creative control. in, And uh, and I think this, again, Rick, you've, you've actually put several bricks in that foundation uh, over the years that I've been knowing you. Mm -hmm. So that's A. B, I'm just going to run something by you and your audience that Dr. Quar David Whitaker, my mentor of 50 years, uh, who's a school chief in uh, the village of Atanqua in uh, 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 Elmina, uh, but he's back home now. He lives six months in Ghana and he lives six months in Cleveland. <clears throat> but we have been working on while he was in Ghana communicating on what we call an anti-African black doctrine statement. Just as we know that uh, people are identified as anti-Semitic when there are certain things said and certain phrases used, they're tagged anti-Semitic and then all hell breaks loose. Okay. So we don't, we don't have any standards or, 
uh, a doctrine that says when the, when the certain things happen, whatever you are saying or communicating is absolutely anti-African, anti-Black, right? And you must you must you must get a penalty for that. So we we wrote one. Hmm. It'll take me two minutes to read it. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing it out. We have not published it yet. We are going to publish it. We're thinking about how to do it and all that other kind of stuff. But first is get the words on paper and, and then run it by good minds. So this is the anti-African forward slash black doctrine. Hmm. Any belief, behavior, initiative, policy, practice, law, or pending legislation, whether individual, private, corporate, governmental, profit, nonprofit, oral or written, intentional, negligent, and from any source whatsoever that A, frustrates African black, uh, black family, in, uh, integrity, cohesion, child development, and prosperity, B, impedes individual or group economic development opportunity. C, is perceived as hostile to the self-esteem, socioeconomic standing, individual and group empowerment, and overall interest of African or Black people, which, among others, operates through negative global imagery, unhealthy print and recorded mediums, forward slash messaging and reporting practices, destructive language, hate speech, and actions concealing, ignoring, excluding, denying, or whitewashing the local, the local, national, and global impact of racism, white pseudo-supremacy, uh, uh, historic or contemporary and pervasive role in the global stereotyping, oppression, exploitation, and the overall standing of African or Black people the world over. Any breach of this doctrine will subject the perpetrator or perpetrators to one or more of the following. One, archival in the AABD database. Two, public retribution, including social media. Three, individual, business, and or corporate boycotts. Four, inclusion of AABD's egregious offenders list. Five, legal action to the maximum extent of the law with demands of civil and punitive damages where applicable. Man, that is powerful. Wow. Yes. <laughs> we need to include that at the end of the film, Doc. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that too. Yeah, I, I like love it. that. I mean, now be truthful because I, I I said it to you because I know you you. Uh, you, you no, I, I I love it. I mean, everybody in the chat, uh, you know, give some feedback. Let Dr. Frazier know how great that was. I and I like that. I like the fact that it it um it formalizes something, right? It makes oh, it very clear. And I don't and, think we um, missed anything. I don't think we missed no, anything. <laughs> no, you, 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 didn't, you didn't miss anything. And, right. you know, and I think that there's blueprints, you know, the, the Anti-Defamation League does a very good job of protecting their community in, in certain ways. And, and so, um, you know, we, I think we have to be clear and structured in yes. defending, you know, how, how we're viewed and perceived and treated. Yes. And this is life or death. You know, the reason the ADL does such an assertive job of protecting their community is because they've saw they've seen what happens when you allow people to vilify you and make you public enemy number one and uh you know almost um reduce your brand to the point where you're seeing almost like rodents that need to be exterminated and uh and so when everyone's hearing music and messaging that pretty much says the black man is a killer and uh hates women and and that the black woman is just you know a worthless piece of garbage 
Well, then when they send you to prison or they shoot you, then pe- no one cares. Everyone says, oh, well, of course they did. Look at how those people behave. Look at how those people are. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, and it's uh, and I think even Black Wall Street, when the massacre of Black Wall Street happened, media was used to uh, create propaganda right. that gave the impression that they were going to the black neighborhoods to stop these terrible black people from coming and harming whites when we knew it was the, the exact opposite. So we've got to be real clear about our messaging. That's why the be- development of black owned media is very important. I'd like for everybody in the chat, if you could, we need you to be a partner in this. We don't need your money. You know, at some point, right. if you want to invest, that's fine, but we don't even need money. We just need your, we need some sweat. We need y'all to just really, if you can take this link, if everybody can give me a guess in the chat that you're going to take the link to this interview, take the link maybe to the trailer. I'll put the link back in there again and share it on your social media. Talk about this film. Tell your cousin Nim about it. Tell your mama, tell your sister, tell your, tell everybody. Uh, we need your help. You are our distribution network because we ain't taking this to Hollywood. This <laughs> Hollywood don't want this, right? And that's okay. We don't want them. So let's build this black Hollywood. Let's make it strong. You know, we don't, we don't have, you know, we, 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 we let go of certain things. Ain't nobody going to, you know, we're not going to show up wearing a Medea dress in this movie to make it, make it hot. Right. No disrespect to Tyler Perry, but ain't no, ain't no black men wearing dresses up in this film. And, uh, but we're going to make this with Dr. Frazier. We're going to get this film in front of a million people. That's that's what we're going to, at least a million people, uh, because it is a blackbuster and this is, um, this is our real, uh, you know, Black Panther. This is our Wakanda moment. And it. It, it, except it's it. not fantasy. It's real. It's not owned by Disney. It's owned yeah. by us. And we're going to get it done and make it happen. So Rick, that's, uh, a power, that. that's a powerful, that's a powerful idea. Let's mm-hmm. discuss that, uh, mm-hmm. the possibilities of that. I mean, it would be a hell of an ending uh, yeah. because we have not, and, and, and Dr. Boy said it so eloquent, we have not define the parameters. I mean, others have defined some parameters, the anti-defamation, mm-hmm. the, you know, defined parameters, uh, uh, you know, for Jews and others. But we have not defined, we should be writing the parameters, the where yeah. the guardrails are. Yeah. Right? This is what, this is what we will not accept, right? Mm-hmm. Here it is in a package. It's in writing, right? Yeah. You want to know what it is? Here it is, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's, this is next level thinking. But ain't nobody going to do this for us. We got to do it, right? We got to do it. We got to put the word. Mm. Hey, why, 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 white folks ain't going to write nothing like this. Are you, are you kidding nah. me? Right? No, no, nor should they, you know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We are, we are intelligent men and women, and we can do this. Uh, we Whatever anybody else can do, we can do it. And I believe we can do it and better. better. <laughs> and I, I think, I think, yeah, there, there's nobody else that can say they survived the slave dungeons, 250 years of the most brutal slavery known to man survived the middle passage survived the uh the, the jim 100 years of jim crow survived the crack era survived mass incarceration right. and all and, and all these things that still came out shining yeah. you know we, we 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 are chosen in certain ways and i and i just truly believe that to the core of my soul so uh mm-hmm. we ain't gonna lose it's not possible no so i, I, so I would say thank you to our guests uh rick mathis uh, Rick, uh, what is your social media where people can follow you, Rick? Well, you can follow me at Rick, that's R-I-C, Mathis, M-A-T-H-I-S, and also follow B1 The Movie, that's B1 The T-H-T, uh Movie on Instagram, uh, TikTok, you know, and all the other social media platforms. So, okay. yeah. and, and Dr. George C. Frazier, uh, 
PowerNetworkingConference.com is uh, in your conferences August 2nd through the 5th in Houston, Texas um, uh, for our final act for Power Networking Conference 1.0 uh, to, 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 to reimagine the future for the conference. All right. And uh, everybody, if you could hit the thumbs up button, like, share, subscribe on your way out. Also, don't forget this podcast is on Spotify. So if you ever can't catch us on YouTube, uh, just go to Spotify. Or if you'd like to get text alerts when we go live periodically, just text the word voice to 31996. We want to stay connected so we can all win together. God bless everybody. And thank you again to the guests. And uh, y'all have a wonderful day. Take care now. Bye-bye. And thank you, Alicia, for the extra time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I got to go and explain. What were you down there doing? (laughs) Stay on cold, baby. I was was hanging with the fellas, baby. That's what I'm going to tell you. I was hanging with the fellas. All right. (laughs) right, Good night, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, guys.